Hi, I'm Robin Birkin and welcome to the Fertility Warriors podcast, a place for women struggling to conceive to find emotional support, conception advice and real talk. To me, being a warrior means true glory is in rising every time we fall, having the courage to be afraid and being ready for whatever challenges cross our path. So welcome warrior, you're on your way. I promise to support and guide you on every single episode. Let's begin. Hi everyone, welcome back to another week on the Fertility Warriors. Ah, how has it taken me so long to have a bloke on the podcast? What am I crazy? It's been like, I'll be pretty honest, 2020 has been the year of me realizing that there's been a lot of me kind of stuff on the podcasting people exactly like me and I'm like you know what we need to branch this shit out we need to talk to like some different people get some different perspectives and one of the things that we've been talking about so much in the fertility warrior intensive is husbands and I know we have like some of our same-sex girls we have our single girls out there we're gonna dive into more podcasts for you guys in future episodes but this one is all about the husbands and it is my absolute pleasure to welcome one of my friends we met on instagram ellie weinstein here on the podcast thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for having me i've never been called a bloke before so i am so excited i love that um it's a first time for everything you know i said to someone the other day they were talking about like oh just checking you got my email and i was like you know what i've been flat out like a lizard drinking so let me get to that later. And then every now and then I catch myself and go, oh, I, like I'm, I'm in Australia. Like I remind myself because most of my, the people <laughs> that I chat with are in the United States or Canada. And every now and then I'm like, that's right. I'm an Aussie and I say these weird things sometimes. But it's one of my dreams to get to Australia. It looks so gorgeous, except for all the crazy bugs that, and animals that you see on social media when they post like the biggest spider. But everything else looks great. And the people that, you know, come from there seem to be the nicest people. So I, I, I can't wait to visit there one day. Oh, you have to make sure that you come bucket to the list. West Coast list. as well. Yes, because I'm in Perth. So, and Perth is like beautiful. It's clean. It's, you want to see white beaches and laid back people. And I feel like it's in Perth where I live, but most people just go straight to the Eastern States to like Sydney and Melbourne and things like that. But Perth is super freaking nice gorgeous. Yeah. But like, it's funny you mention all of the <laughs> wildlife and spiders and stuff like that. I was, we were just watching a Michael McIntyre like stand-up comedy and he was talking about how crazy Aussies are because we all get in the ocean with yeah. the sharks. Yeah, I, was, I watched the same thing last week. <laughs> yeah. I could He's not so stop good. laughing. Yeah. So I just feel like you are such a perfect person to have on the podcast to kind of give us the women a glimpse into a bloke's mind to tell us like what you're going through and you know we have so many questions in the fertility warrior intensive we have a deep dive and one of the questions is like how's your husband or partner coping with this how are they going and there's part of me that feels like the answer is a real mixed bag because some of the husbands are like neither here nor there about wanting to be a dad. Whereas there's others who are like their hearts are breaking just 
like the women. And so, but I feel like there's definitely going to be commonalities across it. Let's just start though. Tell us about your story and your work life. And I just feel like you're going to have so many juicy stories. (laughs) I have a lot of stories. So I'm a therapist out in New York and uh, have a history working in a psychiatric hospital. Uh, I work in a community clinic right now, working with people from self-esteem to schizophrenia and really just day-to-day mental health issues. So a lot of funny stories, a lot of sad stories, a lot of real stories about people and humans and the struggle of being a human. Um, Definitely in the psych unit, there were some really weird things that went down and some scary things that happened, but it really taught me a lot about me and the blessings that I have as a, as a person and the blessings that I have in my life and made me a harder, uh, like a tough skin to be a therapist going forward. So, yeah. I think there's definitely got to be like an element of not bringing your shit home with you when you are a 100%. therapist and really 100%. learning that separation. Yeah, it is. It is a, a interesting thing. I have like a ritual when I drive home from work, which I don't do anymore because of that was Corona. Be my next question yeah. <laughs> is that I um, now I'm working from home and doing teletherapy and really video chats or phone calls. Um, but usually, when I would be driving home, I would play classical music. Mm. Um, whether it was no matter what time of day I was driving back from the clinic, it was more of my mindset of like turning off work and relaxing and turning on husband, father, home. And um, it's not always easy. And I have had moments of crisscrossing both um, because I'm human and that happens, whether it's bringing personal stresses into work or work stresses into home. And uh, it is a hard balance, it is. But it's so important. Like literally we were just having this conversation in the program this week about having these rituals. And like I know some nurses who, you know, like, it's like a nurse and doctor thing. They all wear Crocs. And she was like, mm-hmm. I leave my Crocs outside the front door so that I don't bring them in. Yeah. In the program, like I would talk about, someone once gave me a mirror that like the second on the key ring that you get, when you get to the front door, you look at who's coming home and be like, nah, that shit's not coming with me. Love um, that. So I, ju- I think that like for everyone out there listening, just generally, I think that is so important. And you yourself were also touched by the infertility fairy. Can you talk to us a little bit more about your journey? Never been called infertility fairy. I love that. <laughs> it's a nicer way of saying, like, when I write blogs or talk about infertility, it's always the infertility struggle, the infertility journey, the infertility curse, like the infertility. You put a nice spin on it, so I love that. Um, our, my wife and I's infertility journey and fairy struggle is really came down to us trying for about six months to eight months, realizing that something wasn't right. Um, My wife had known that she had PCOS. And what I've learned getting more involved in the infertility world is that PCOS looks different in every single person, Um, right? For some people, the symptoms show up with uh, how their body reacts and some people has infertility and some people have no issues with infertility and PCOS Um, and how it really plays into marriages and relationships can be really interesting Uh, detrimental and growing at the same time. So we found that out and we actually looked on our insurance and found a clinic, uh, infertility clinic, and went right to a specialist to just talk, to get tested and to talk and to see if there was a problem because we didn't want to get worried and ahead of ourselves 
about the what ifs and the who knows and the whens. And we found out that after tests for both of us, my wife and I both struggle with infertility, which was a huge shock for me as a guy, because as a guy, not in the infertility world, never knew or involved in the infertility struggle. Um, it wasn't talked about a lot with the people that I was around. Um, I thought it was a girl problem. I thought it was just like, oh, girls get pregnant, so girls have infertility. I never assumed, I, like, I was such under such assumptions that, oh yeah, there's a guy part to sex and, you know, pregnancy that you kind of forget that part because in my mind, the woman plays a, such a huge role is the main source of pregnancy, is the main source of fertility that I thought the infertility would be with the woman. And it was both of our issues. And then it was just getting really diving deep into the IVF treatments and tests and shots and so on and so forth. So I think that so many cases of infertility, like literally so many, whether people know it or not, is multifactorial. Like there's not, I don't think there's often one cause of infertility. And sometimes you start your journey and then you discover like that the other partner's got shit going on and things like that. I really firmly believe that like that's a thing. So how did you feel when all of a sudden you're playing a part here, like your sperm isn't like golden superhero sperm? It was a weird, a weird feeling. And I would just add to what I said before that even though um, the assumption is the female issue versus the male issue, no matter who has the diagnosis or label of infertile, it's still a couple's problem because it's about the family, right? The potential of a family. It's about, we can't have a child because in the end, it doesn't matter who has the label of infertility. You still can't have a child, whether one on paper can or biologically can produce whatever part they are in the relationship. It's still not working. And actually statistically, 33% is a male issue. 33% is a female issue and 33% is unknown. So sometimes there is no reason on paper. I actually worked with a couple recently who both of them tested totally fine and they're still infertile, which I find even more frustrating because at least if you have a, a, a cause that you don't produce enough eggs or estrogen or hormones are off and there's not enough sperm or sperm, it can kind of, you can wrap your head around it a little bit mentally and understand it. But when you don't know, that can kill you. And I think that for me, it was really a sense of despair and failure as a husband and a provider to my wife. Um, and it was very hard for me to stomach and understand. And it only helped that I had my wife as a support going through it with me and I going through it with her. That it really helped us become stronger. So... You, both you and your wife are quite like positive, see the bright side of life kind of people. We try. You're a therapist. Then to have like your own shit going on, how do you wrestle with those emotions being like feeling like I should be able to work myself through this? Like I need to, you know, like how do you go about dredging through the shit in order to come through the other side, you know? It just teaches you a great lesson that no matter what you are and your personality and what your profession is, you're still human. And I think that just to be straight up and honest, my wife is really the optimistic, happy one. Okay. She's like this go-getter, optimistic, 
powerful. Let's look at the bright side. Let's be open. I'm like realistic and pessimistic mm-hmm. sometimes. I have I have a happy-go-lucky personality, but my mindset is usually like not, which is what we balance each other out and can be frustrating. But at the same time, with that together, I try really hard, and I, I use this word very often, and it's not a real word. I try not to therapatize myself or my wife. It just doesn't help because now my role is not to be a therapist when our marriage. But my, my role was at the time was being a husband and a supportive husband and mm-hmm. having those feelings felt and hearing my wife's feelings and being there for her. And that's really what it was about. I think the key for us and what really helped us through the struggle and all the pain and the suffering was the communication for each other. That if my wife was really having a hard time hanging out with certain friends who were getting pregnant really easily or having kids all the time, or if it was just venting and to anyone else would sound so terrible. Like how could they be having another kid and and all that painful stuff that you never would say to someone, but to your spouse, you can say with love and understanding with no judgment, that's what we were there for each other. And that Mm -hmm. to me is what really was the key to our sanity because there was no judgment and there was no anger or frustration with whatever thought came across our mind. It was, yeah, this sucks. Let's be there with each other. And that was a very interesting perspective for me in our relationship and how strong it brought us together to rely on each other when other couples might have, unfortunately, might not have had that situation to bring them so close uh, because they weren't going through such terrible things. So would you say as far as guys go that you are on the side of being a talker as opposed to like my husband who speaks in grunts? I am the talker in our relationship actually, Mm -hmm. and I am a talker. You can literally put a smiley face on a wall and I can talk to the wall for like hours. Um, that's just my personality. It's who I am. Um, sometimes it's too much talking, but I am a talker. So when it comes to men in general and husbands and wives out there who are listening for their husbands, a lot of guys do not express their emotions or are very available or vulnerable with their emotions, which makes it that much harder when you're going through something and you just want to hear what they're thinking and you just want to hear their feelings and you want them to express themselves. But guys are not like that most men. And when I started posting more and more about infertility on my social media platform, the amount of men that reached out and wives saying, my husband's going through this. Can you talk to him? And they never follow up. Or a guy reaching out say, oh, I have a few friends who are going through this. Would you be willing to talk to them? For sure. Give them my phone number. Never followed up. It's very classic and natural for men to kind of become turtles, like hide um, and like go in their little cave and not talk about their feelings. But just because it's common doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. 100%. <laughs> you should get out of your shell and you should talk about your feelings. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so like Fight Club is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> There's no such thing as Fight Club. We don't talk about Fight Club. No, but, but uh, no, you're right. And, and, and I love that you said it that way because it's good to be blunt and upfront that just because it's, it's natural or common doesn't make it okay or healthy. Um, and with that, I think it's very common and natural for men to kind of run away from their mm-hmm. feelings mm-hmm. versus embracing their feelings and expressing and letting them out. And I think when it comes to just a tip for spouses out there, um, it's more about giving them a healthy space to know that when they do open up, that it's judgment free. 
because sometimes a lot of men are afraid to share and be judged and be shamed and embarrassed for feeling feelings and looked down as weak or not strong enough or less than. So to have a space of not judgment and love and TLC and care, it gives the, the men an opportunity to know that if they do share just a tiny bit that is not attacked or jumped down or dived into, but more embraced and hugged and uh, caressed. Uh, and men need that. They need a little like push and caress, caressing to bring out emotions, which is very frustrating at times, but part of the nature of men usually. It's kind of a problem with society that we, you know, we've grown up like men can't, aren't supposed to cry and things like that. But it sucks when your wife is sat there injecting herself. She's crying every three seconds on the bathroom floor and you're there like, fuck, like this is really hard for me, but now I'm watching her and like, I, but I need to be the provider. I need to be looking out for mm -hmm. her. I need mm -hmm. to be like, and you like it's a because men are, I think are also taught that they've got to fix the problems like like you know fix the sink hang this thing on the wall do all this and like you cannot fix this <laughs> like it's kind of something and I mean we need to learn that I think as women as well that holding space for someone doesn't always mean having to have a solution to the problem yeah, uh, yeah you're right it's not about having a solution a lot of the times it's just about being there so you're, so let's say like, I'm a wife, right? And let's pretend you're my husband, but you're not a talky husband, but I'm the wife. I suspect that you are being totally eaten up inside by everything. And I kind of want to nudge you to just give me a, like let out a little bit of the shit that's going on before it just becomes like a shit explosion at some point. How do I go about that conversation to just try and give, like, let you know that it's safe for you to open up to me a little bit? Yeah, I love that question. Uh, I think really the key is to sit your husband down, um, not like we need to talk kind of conversation, because that always makes men or anyone perk their ears right. up and go danger. The Never one say thing you, yes. we need to talk. Yes. Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> whether it's through text, WhatsApp, phone call, hey, we need to talk, it literally puts a pit in most people's stomach. It's like something's wrong. Um, it could be just having a nice dinner or chatting or watching your favorite show, whatever that is at the time, um, or going on a walk or whatever you're doing and looking at your husband or significant other and saying, you know, I've really been struggling and, and start opening up for yourself. Not when you are on the floor of the bathroom screaming and crying, not when you're distressed and overwhelmed with emotions, but when you're calm and collected and you have some state of mind where you can think clearly and look at your spouse and significant other say, I'm really struggling. I just wanted to know what you're thinking because we're going through this together. It would really help me understand where you're coming from if you just let me in a little bit and tell me what's going on. It doesn't mean I'm asking, and it doesn't mean you're asking the person to tell and all of a sudden open up all the feelings of your heart. It doesn't mean that it's time to have opened the wells and just lose control. It means that you're giving, opening up the door and saying, I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time. I would love to know what's, what's going on in your head because it is an us issue. And then when they respond, like we've just said, not necessarily having a solution, but even just saying like, I understand. Thank you for like thanking them for exactly. opening up. You say thank you. And, and the idea of sympathy and empathy, just to clarify the difference, sympathy is when you can see someone's opinion 
um, for what it is, right? As a human, empathy means that you can put yourself in their place, in their shoes, and feel somewhat of their pain. And it's very hard to have empathy all the time. It's very hard to be understanding and loving all the time. But if you're, if someone in your life usually doesn't share emotion and they're finally opening up to you, that is the opportunity to say, thank you so much for sharing. I really, that meant so much to me. It really helps me understand you more and love you more and appreciate you more. Um, just want you to know if you ever want to talk more, you know, I'm always here for you. Um, and it's not an opportunity to go, well, tell me more and tell me more and tell me more and dive deeper and go all in. Don't put all your chips and into push, this opportunity. Don't, like, don't push. Yeah. yeah. When you push, turtle comes back out hiding from emotions. So it's really about being very sensitive and quiet and collected and listening and understanding and sometimes even reading through what the person's not saying and reading their body language and their emotions and what they're actually telling you and then listening and saying, wow, thanks so much for sharing that. That's really hard. You know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm going through this as well and I'm here for you. Mm. I love that. And, and also- a, that's, it, that's it. Just having that knowledge that, you know, we don't actually need to fix anything here. We just need to acknowledge and have this shared experience together, I think releases some of the burden. Like if your cup's already empty, having to find a solution and fix it all and things like that can feel like a lot of pressure. And, yeah, and then really when it comes down to the really the, the, the honest truth about infertility is that neither one of you can fix infertility, right? If you're both going through it or one person's going through it, you cannot magically wave your wand and have a, a fixer problem. It's, it, that's what the doctor's for. That's what the science is about. That's what the doctor suggestions and shots. And let's say maybe someone suggests going for holistic, whether it's through herbs or certified things or acupuncture or whatever the doctor suggests or things that they might've thought or research that you found. But you too, the idea of the two of you together is about being on the same page and loving each other through that process and whatever that life brings you. It's not about either of you trying to say, you need to do this and you need to do that. And why are you not doing this? And you probably wore too tight of underwear and you went into this sauna. I feel and like someone's like, told you that before. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no, like the doctor said, like wear looser underwear. And I yeah, said, yeah, okay, yeah. thanks. Because that's the problem with, with my uh, sperm is my tight underwear, even though I don't have tight underwear. So like those things are like you, that's not time for you to start mm. fixing each other and the infertility. You can't create more sperm for your spouse and you can't create more eggs and hormones for your spouse. It's about being there for the emotions of your spouse and being loving and supportive for your spouse, whatever that, whatever they need and whatever that means. Yeah. So like, like being ride or die kind of like, yeah, you and, and me. it's not about, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. It's not about right or wrong. This is not the opportunity to start saying this is not a time for tit for tat in a relationship. This is not that time. This is the, one of the hardest things that you probably will go through as a couple. Um, and that is not the opportunity to start winning battles and fighting. It is, and it, and it doesn't mean that fights won't happen. It doesn't mean arguments won't be caused because of the raw emotion that is going through both of you. And there are going to be really amazing highs during this and really dark lows. But it's the opportunity for you guys to come together as a couple and be supportive for each other. So I know that... <laughs> So confession, I'm a bit of a type A and most of my listeners are as well. So we are used to, I put in this hard work 
and then I get this result. And I think we're all learning that that sometimes that's just not how infertility works. But one of the, I guess, sort of side effects of that is that we are like researching the sperm. We're like, he needs to do this. He needs to do this. He needs to cut out drinking. He, they, therefore, <laughs> he's not allowed to go to the pub with his friends anymore. And, you know, this concept of we're trying to control our journey, but it kind of translates because sperm is also a factor in making a baby that we then start trying to, in what we think is best interests, control what's going on with our partner. And I just feel like it's a losing game. Let's you know, chat. My wife is type A. Mm. My wife is type A and she, I'm not, she is, that's why I love her for that. And she makes, she makes life interesting and enjoyable with that type A, whether it's planning things, organization and running our household, taking care of things. I adore her for that. And one of the things that is the struggle is that when you are type A, you are constantly searching for control and ideas of organized and organized life. And really the key that we're learning right now with Corona and with infertility is the unknown, right? Mm -hmm. Life can literally change within a month and things shut down and life halts as we know it. Um, and there are good things about that and bad things about that. But with infertility, you know, you can do everything right. You can follow all the cycles. You can take all the shots perfectly. Take all your medication. Go to your doctor's appointments. Your blood levels can be perfect and it still not work. Mm -hmm. That happened to us. We had a failed treatment and it's, it was terrible. I have never seen my wife so distressed and at a low on the floor crying. I've never seen that before. We've never gone through anything like that. Um, and it was terrible to see as a husband and it was very hard to stomach um, because all I wanted to do was fix and help, but that wasn't the opportunity. And I think at the same time with my wife um, and the type A personality of wanting to control and, and it's not a sense of maliciousness or aggressiveness or intensity. It's just how they, it's how you process things and help give yourself less anxiety and cope is by researching and finding so one of the things that really need to happen for whoever is type A is to take a step back and think for a second, is this productive and helpful for my spouse and for this opportunity? Is it something realistic? If, if I make this demand or say, make this idea or put this out there, will it be detrimental to our relationship, to my husband, to my spouse, to my partner? By saying you cannot go to the bar or pub and drink with your friends ever for the next eight months, that's a huge ask if someone's social life and individuality is based on that. But if it's something simple, like adding more fiber to a diet, I don't know if that helps infertility. I'm just giving an example. <laughs> yeah. If it's something, I don't have any secrets. If it's something as simple as we can do this together, let's try this together. Not you and you and you and point fingers, but at us, whether it's getting more sleep, whether it means more intimacy, whether it means more date night, whether it means more uh, less stress and more fun, whatever it could be, um, do it if it's for us. When it starts going you and you and you, if you want to do your own thing as type A, do your own thing. It's not a bad thing to control your own life and take control over the things that you can do for yourself to help calm you down and cope with your anxiety. But once you start controlling and forcing someone else, all it does is create resentment and frustration 
in general, and that's not healthy for anyone, no matter if they're in infertility or not. Yeah. We just, the more You're I You're like, learn, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, like, and yeah. literally, I mean, like I hounded my husband to go and see the naturopath um, and bless his soul. He had one appointment with her. He, and he then started taking the supplements, but like he confessed to me like years later, he was like, I just need to let you know, I kept drinking coffee, but I would just go like get cash out and go and buy it on my way to work so that you wouldn't see. And it's only in hindsight, like years later that I have discovered that trying to control your partner doesn't work. And he would still go, like he would still go to the pub. He wouldn't, he cut down some of his drinking, but it's only years later that I, that I realize a couple of things. One of them is that when we're type A's on our fertility journey, it's often we're get like we're getting down to the real micro stuff that actually probably isn't going to make a difference other than create more resentment, but also that the more you try to control your partner, the harder it's going to make your relationship. Like there's like I, this is the analogy kind of my life analogy now. Like there's a leaf that comes down the waterfall, and it's that leaf that it's like stuck in the like what do you call it the whitewash of the waterfall not going anywhere it looks so freaking hard for that little leaf as opposed to the leaf that gets out and goes with the flow and then just floats along the river and i feel like if we can you know like let go of that just a little bit and be the leaf that floats along the river it's just going to benefit us all <laughs> yeah 100 percent. it makes life a lot easier when you go with the flow a little bit more yeah. So how can we though, like, so let's say that my husband, I don't know, uh, like smoked weed all the time and was really heavily drinking. How do like knowing that we can't control them and that they may well be like, I don't know, like, well, fuck you. I'm just going to do it anyway. But how do we initiate a really like safe, honest, loving conversation about that without, you know, like getting them like to raise the hairs on their back that like, ah, what are you going to talk to me about? Or jump down my throat about today. Well, two things. One, I have a sneaky way you can do it. Get the doctor to do it. Oh, okay. Right. Because if a medical professional Mm -hmm. says to someone, you know, in the research that I've seen, which there probably is research on drinking and marijuana use or anything that's kind of has that kind of uh, effect on your body. Um, even antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication could affect infertility, you know? And, and uh, so if a doctor says, by the way, the research shows that a lower amount of drinking, blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 can really help with the fertility process that might be more receptive than my wife saying, by the way, I did some research on 12 sites and you should stop drinking right now. Mm-hmm. Like that's not going to be as receptive. So if you kind of talk to the doctor and say, hey, I found some research. I wanted to know what you thought. Can you please talk to my husband about this next time we're in the office? Or that's one you tricky just way. Say, like to the doctor in the next appointment, can you talk to us each about the what we can factors? do? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Whether it's smoking cigarettes, smoking marijuana, drinking alcohol, whatever poison you choose or everything you put in your body um it could be maybe type of foods um who knows mm. right so having a doctor bring it in makes it more serious makes it more serious and I, I don't know about you 
But anytime a doctor's told me something I haven't liked, I haven't become resentment and hateful of them. I'm like, okay, I either agree with them or I don't agree with them. Mm-hmm. But it's a doctor. They probably know what they're talking about, mm-hmm. which is the beauty of being a doctor. You can say whatever you want. Be like, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> um, right? It's like, okay, don't do this. You're like, sounds good. And don't oh, do this. Okay, great. And then new search, research comes out. and Like, no, sorry, we were wrong. Let's do this. Oh, yeah, it makes sense. You know, studies change. So that's the beauty of being a doctor or a professional. People do that to me as a therapist. Right? I'm a therapist, and when I say something, they're like, yeah, well, and it's nothing, I'm not saying anything amazing. I'm saying simple things like, oh, because the therapist said it versus my spouse, even though we're saying the same thing, you have a license and are educated, my wife is my wife. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so that could be one easy trick. If you can't get your doctor to say it, again, when it comes to you talking to your spouse about things that you would like them to do for the whole, bring it into that perspective, is that I really need your help. Right. When you say that line to a man, to your husband, it perks up excitement because men want to help. They want to help. They want to be a part of things. Right. So say, I really need your help. I've been doing some research and I found some lifestyle things that I think could be helpful. And I wanted to pick your brain and see what we can do. Come up with different ideas. Yeah. Right. Empower them. I don't know if you, I don't know if you've watched this movie of my big fat Greek wedding. No, it's always been on my, like, to watch list. So there's one scene where they want to convince the father, the older Mm -hmm. gentleman, the older Greek father, and the wife says that I am the neck to his head, right? I'm the one who causes him to turn. Okay, yes. And she convinces him and makes him think that it's his idea for coming up with the daughter going to school. And really, when you're watching it and you know the whole story, you can see that she's literally just manipulating him by making it his idea. So as a, as a spouse, secret is make your husband empowered to think that it's his idea, not even just his idea, but that he's helping you in the journey. And it doesn't have to be malicious. You're not being manipulative and like a puppeteer moving strings in a weird way. You're trying to get to a goal, which is fertility and possibility of having a family. Don't do that if you're trying to be mean and disgusting and terrible to your spouse. That's not, I did not suggest that. Don't take that from this. But when it comes to infertility, Come up with ideas. Come up with the six things that you found and say, okay, here are the six things that I've been looking into that most people talk about can be lifestyles that can be detrimental to fertility. I've noticed that we do all six or seven or five or whatever it is. What are some things you think we can do together or that we can cut out to make our chances a little bit better? Don't come in with one idea, say, you need to stop drinking right now, end of story, and then leave the room. That's not going to end up well. But if you come up with a love and embracing and empowering of, hey, hon, Hey, babe, whatever you call your spouse, whatever cute term, or you call them by their name, whatever you want, empower them to feel like they are part of the decision and part of the research and part of the journey so that they feel like they're on the team and not you demanding and barking orders. And so two things on that. One thing that I noticed that you said was we and not like you or I. So it's a joint thing. And then I, I, on the like after effects of that, I'm guessing that if they say no, you have to drop it at least for a little bit. Like you can't keep yeah. pushing. Don't dig in. It never helps. It never, it never helps to literally stand your ground and push and push and push. If someone says no, it's not easy to hear a no. It's not fun to hear a no when you come up with a plan and you're trying to be empowering and loving, especially something like infertility when it's so important and you're putting so much hope and love and care into one opportunity to maybe have a family. 
still, you need to back off and come back at it again in another couple of days. Let him, let him process it. Let him hear it. Let him think about it. And it might end up being a yes. Sometimes guys, what they do, I know I do this sometimes, is I have a very gut reaction without thinking. I go, no, because of how it is said or what the person said, or maybe who is saying it at a certain time. Or maybe I'm not paying attention or I'm not really truly listening, or I'm not totally focused into what you're really truly saying to me is I need mm -hmm. your help. Help yeah. me, husband, I need you on my team. So give some time, come back it again with again, loving, empowering, supportive, we wording. Mm, I love it. I just think that we're going to get so many messages about this because I like, there has just been so many nuggets of gold in this interview. And I think that, that like, so sort of the last question or point that I want to make is that your husband doesn't always have to confide in you that sometimes they can find somebody else which is where i give the segue for you to talk about yourself is that sometimes they might feel more comfortable having like an outs like because there's you know this whole thing about you know like men and their emotions and then they might feel bad because they don't want to put their emotions on you that it, sometimes it's helpful for them to have a safe a safe place or a safe person that is outside of their immediate circle that they can then feel like they can safely download to. So that's my segue because so many women, I think are going to be listening to this and being like, like, whoa. So they could just casually be like, Oh, this inter this interview was cool and send it to their husband. Or they could be like, Oh, this guy like knows what's going on or what's up. So <laughs> Ellie, tell us where we can find you. Tell us what you do. Like, tell us all of it. So first off, I want to say that's a great point. And sometimes when you're so in it and so just in the mindset of infertility, IVF, infertility, IVF, you lose track of sometimes the outside world. And sometimes you're so involved in it that you don't want to talk about it as much because it's all is. And the whole relationship is just surrounded by infertility. And you want to just go to someone else who's not just solely just all about infertility. Um, so my name is Ellie Weinstein. I'm a therapist. And I have an uh, Instagram page called Elevation Therapist. I have a website called Elevation, E-L-I-V-A-T-I-O-N. My name is Ellie. Trick on the word, Elevation. There you go. You know the secret. I have a new podcast called The Dude Therapist that just came out about three months ago. Excited. And anyone can reach out to me, whether it's a man, woman, doesn't matter. Um, ask any question and I can help. I can do my best to try to help you or help you find resources to what you might need. Um, whether it's mental health, whether it's just infertility, men's issues, parenting stuff, who knows, anything. Oh, that's awesome. So are you ready, Ellie, for the speed round? I'm ready. Cool. Let's do this. So very first quick question is you had your infertility journey. You reached the other side. Yes. Daughter? Daughter. How old? 15 months. Nice. Next question is, do you have a favorite quote or affirmation? Oh my gosh. I have a whole Google doc of like 150 quotes that I've been well, collecting. I'll tell you one of my favorite ones. Okay. My favorite ones is, I don't remember the source, but I know it from Kung Fu Panda. It is yesterday's history. Tomorrow is a mystery and today is a gift. And that's why we call it a present. And that's why it's about being okay. in the moment and not worrying about the future and the what ifs and not the past because we can't change it, but trying to do our best to be here right now. 
I literally referenced Kung Fu Panda in one of my podcasts just recently. Every day we should be referencing it. Every oh, day. Such a good series. Okay. What was for dinner tonight? Just out of curiosity. Uh, always like to know. It was barbecue chicken and burgers and butternut squash that I made with my wife. Yum. Okay. Do you have a book that you recommend everyone reads? Um, another hard question because I love reading, but one of my favorite books that I've been pushing a lot is two books, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F by Mark Manson. I think it's just a great way just to get out of your head about the idea of what matters and what doesn't matter. And The Last Lecture is one of the most beautiful written books. It's about a professor from Pittsburgh who's uh, dying from cancer, and he has his last lecture, basically a lesson to his children and his family and friends, and it is just beautifully written, and the video is even better. Oh, that sounds awesome. I'm going to check it out. I do love how you said how not to give an F because we rate all episodes as explicit here. So you can drop the F bomb anytime you like. Uh, the word, that's how the book is written. It says, it's not our, that's the title. And then my very last question, if you had one like message, something that you wanted to scream from the rooftops that you wanted everyone to know, what would it be? Love yourself more. The power of looking in the mirror and loving yourself more. It can change so many issues, whether it's body image issues, marriage issues, anxiety and depressive issues. Love yourself more and treat yourself with the respect that you deserve. Um, Yeah. Oh, Ellie, I knew that chatting to you would be so awesome and you definitely (laughs) delivered. Thank you so, so, so much for being on the podcast with us today. And I know that you are going to get so many people reaching out to you on Instagram because basically you're rad. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Whoa, Nelly, don't go anywhere just yet. I need to tell you about a few more things before you go. The first one is that if you haven't signed up to my Ultimate Fertility Library, then you're missing out. I have a library of resources just for you and you can get access at robinburkin.com slash library. There are cheat sheets, ebooks, meditations, affirmations and so much more and it's all free. Head to robinburkin.com slash library to get access today. And lastly, warrior, I'm not a doctor or a dietitian or a financial advisor. I'm me. And this information is for information and inspirational purposes only based on my own experiences. So please don't substitute the information in this podcast for professional healthcare, financial or other advice. Always consult your own professionals first. And know that in the world of trying to conceive, there are no guaranteed pregnancy or other outcomes. If you'd like to know more about my terms and conditions, head to my website at robinburkin.com. Thank you so much for listening and I will catch you next week.